0: Such a love for your word that we would consider it to be even more important than our daily food. Help us to understand it. Help us to obey it. And most of all, help us to love the sovereign one who wrote it for our sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. That's page 976 in the Bibles in front of you, Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, page 976. At his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all In all. Wow. Is anybody else's head spinning? I was just telling Mary yesterday that the Apostle Paul packs his sentences like she packs her suitcases. (laughs) The whole house is going with him. And it really is amazing what Paul can fit into just one sentence. And by the way... All of what I just read to you is just one sentence in the Greek. Paul's writing is impressive. But sometimes he can be a little bit hard to follow. And this can be pretty discouraging to us. Paul is talking about the spiritual blessings that we have received in Christ And we want to understand. We want to know so badly what he's talking about. But often we're too weak. We zone out. (laughs) We give up. And in those moments, we realize that in order to truly understand the great things of God, we must first be empowered. And don't we realize this? Isn't this what we mean when we sing the third verse of the song, Speak, O Lord, speak, O Lord, and renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. And friends, that is a prayer that our Heavenly Father will not Refuse. He wants you to know him. He wants you to enjoy him. And he has storehouses upon storehouses of spiritual power that he is eager to give to you. And what I want to do this morning is ask and answer two questions about this spiritual power that we so desperately need. First, how do we receive it? And second, why do we receive it? How do we receive this power, and why do we receive this power? First, how do we receive it? Paul gives us two answers. Uh, We see in verses 15 and 16 that we receive this power, first of all, through prayer. Particularly, and this is important, through the prayers of others. No one can live the Christian life alone. No more than a young boy can be part of the Boy Scouts alone. Without community. Each one of us needs the love and concern and accountability and prayers Of one another. And Paul understood this concept very well. He models in these two verses. How we are to pray for one another's spiritual growth. First we are to pray without ceasing for one another. Paul writes in verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers. Paul loved his churches. He was always praying for them. And he was always reassuring them. That he was praying for them. Colossians 1.9. We have not ceased to pray for you. Romans 1.9. Without ceasing. I mention you always. In my prayers. 2 Thessalonians 1.11, we always pray for you. And even to Timothy, Paul would write affectionately, I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. That's how Paul loved his fellow Christians. He prayed for them. But he also expected that same love in return near the end of ephesians in chapter 6 verse 18 paul tells the ephesians to pray at all times in the spirit making supplication or request for all the saints and also for me so who is called to pray without ceasing for other christians Not just the apostles, not just the pastors, all of us. How do we do this? How do we pray without ceasing for all our brothers and sisters in Christ here at Crosspoint? Well, how did Paul do this? For Paul... Praying without ceasing meant praying regularly. So he followed a schedule. Like all Jews of his day, he observed the three hours of prayer morning, noon, and evening. And during these hours, he would pray for the churches. When do you pray? Do you follow a schedule for prayer? It's not legalistic. We meal plan. You retirement plan. You vacation plan. Do you plan to pray? In 1 Thessalonians 5, (laughs) Paul tells us that it is God's will for us to pray without ceasing. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So God desires for us to pray. He expects us to pray. He even demands that we pray. Why? It's not for his benefit. It's because it is through our prayers... That our brothers and sisters in Christ here in this room receive spiritual power. Will you pray regularly for me? Will you pray regularly for the men and women and little children who are in this room? Will you pray for all of us to be empowered with the power that God alone can give? And in all this, we need to remember to give thanks for one another. Paul was always very careful to notice how God's grace was already at work in people's lives. He didn't just pray for his fellow Christians without ceasing. He gave thanks for his fellow Christians without ceasing. And we are to give thanks for every symptom of God's grace that we see in one another's life. Give God thanks for, cons- for converting Mr. Henry. I love that story, Mr. Henry. Give God thanks for strengthening Miss Martha through sickness. Give God thanks for our pastor's love for a Christian who is in prison. And he's not the only one. So in all of our requests for power... We need to always remember to thank God for his power that he has already displayed in and through us. There's no need to be pessimistic in prayer. We have much to give thanks for. And this leads us to the second way that we, re- that we receive God's power. We see in verse 17 through 19 that we receive this power By the Holy Spirit. The heart of Paul's prayer is, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit, not a spirit. We'll get to that in a moment. The spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. But wait a minute, you say. I thought the Ephesian Christians had already received the Holy Spirit. And you're right. They had already received the Holy Spirit. Look back with me at verse 13, where Paul writes, (coughs) In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And yet Paul continues to pray for these same Ephesians to receive the Holy Spirit afresh. Not that he was ever absent from them, but that the fullness of his power in their lives had still remained untapped. Now, how do we know that the spirit about which Paul speaks in this verse, is the Holy Spirit. Some of your Bibles, even even our own ESV Bibles, render the phrase, the spirit of wisdom, as a spirit of wisdom. And if read in this way, Paul's prayer becomes a plea for human wisdom, that that God would um, enable our human wisdom spirits to understand spiritual truth. But the problem with this view is that Paul also refers to this spirit as the spirit of revelation, which of course is something that God alone can give. So it seems much better to me then to read this text as the spirit of wisdom and of revelation with the word Spirit referring to none other than the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And in fact, the editors of uh, the ESV Bible have since corrected this error in their updated versions. So Paul is praying for the Ephesians to receive the Holy Spirit afresh. And we can pray the same prayer for one another that the Holy Spirit would fill us with wisdom and understanding and knowledge so that all of us might know God better. That's the goal. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just help us to know God. He does more. Paul tells us in verse 18 that this same Holy Spirit helps us to experience God he enlightens the eyes of our hearts that is he helps us to be affected by the truths that we know jonathan edwards has said that there are two ways to know that honey is sweet you can know it in your mind you can read about honey. You can listen to what other people say about honey. You can read a blog about honey. He didn't say that. I'm saying the blog part. Or you can know it on your tongue by tasting it. And in the same way, he says, there is a difference between having an opinion that God is holy and gracious And having a sense of the loveliness and beauty of that holiness and graciousness on the heart. So the Holy Spirit takes spiritual truth and impresses it into our hearts so that we are affected by it. He helps us to be enthralled by what we see and hear in God's word. And notice what he helps our hearts to see. Three life-changing truths. And as we do this, I need to say I'm indebted to the commentator John Stott for phrasing these three truths so succinctly. First, the Holy Spirit helps us to see the hope of God's calling. The hope of God's calling. God has raised us from our hopeless despair and given us new life. An unimaginably bright future awaits us. God is going to renew all creation. He's going to erase all sadness and pain and loss. And the best news of all is that we get to be a part of it. There is a thrilling line in the final book of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Return of the King, when (coughs) Sam Gamgee looks up at Gandalf the Grey and says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead myself. And then he asks, is everything sad going to come untrue? And the answer to that question for the Christian, because of the hope of God's calling, is an unqualified yes. God will make everything sad come untrue. That's the hope of God's calling. What other hope can give you that? Every other human hope... Passes away. This one remains forever. Paul says in Romans 5. That the hope that God gives. Will never put us to shame. It will never disappoint us. That's the hope of God's calling. Holy Spirit helps us to see that. Second. The Holy Spirit. Helps us to see. The glory. Of God's. Inheritance. The glory of God's. Inheritance. Paul prays. For the Ephesians to know the riches of God's glorious inheritance in the saints. Notice that Paul is not speaking about our inheritance, but about God's. And what is God's inheritance? It's the saints, it's us. It's you and me and every man and woman and boy and girl whom our Lord Jesus has ever called to himself throughout time. You are God's inheritance. Think of this. Our God is the creator who made the most dazzling features of our universe. The planets, the galaxies, the rings of Saturn, the Rocky Mountains. And yet he has chosen you. And me. To be his most treasured possession. He looks at us and calls us his riches. We forget that. I don't know why we forget that. But we do. And that's why we must pray for one another. We must pray without ceasing. That the Holy Spirit will open the eyes of of our hearts, to know just how loved we are by our creator. To know the glory of God's inheritance in the saints. To know that is life-changing. There's one more truth that the Holy Spirit helps us to see. We see in verse 19 that he helps us to see the greatness of God's power. The greatness of God's power. Paul writes of the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward us who believe. In fact, Paul knows God's power to be so immeasurable that he runs out of words to describe it. He uses four synonyms for the word Power, in the Greek, in verse 19. He prays that the Ephesians might know, are you ready? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power, dunamis, toward us who believe, according to the working, Energia, of his great, Kratos, might, iskus. Paul is writing these words to the Ephesians, who constantly feared the forces of evil that surrounded them. Ephesus was a city known for its magicians and witches. And many of the Ephesian Christians had been converted to Christ from this background, from the background of the occult. But Paul is assuring them that these evil powers, even mounted up, are no match for the living God. His power is great toward us who believe. Now, sometimes we don't feel powerful. We feel weak. We feel useless against the constant barrage of temptation. We feel feeble when our faith is tested. That's why we need one another's prayers, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. God has storehouses of spiritual power to give to us. All we need to do is ask him. And that leads us to our second question this morning. We've seen how we receive this power. It seems pretty easy. Why do we receive this power? Why on earth? Does God give us such unlimited access to his immeasurably great power? And Paul's answer is this. It is because the risen and exalted Christ is in our midst. He's in our midst. So our first point ended at verse 19 with Paul in mid-sentence. We cut him off. But he goes on to show how great God's power toward us really is. It's the same power, we read, that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that enthroned Jesus above all earthly and heavenly powers forever. And it's the same power that appointed Jesus, King Jesus, as head of the church. The most powerful being in the universe, the Lord of all creation, is on our side. He's in our midst right now, this morning. Now some of you will say, once again, I don't feel powerful You don't get it. I don't feel powerful. Frankly, I feel pretty crummy this morning. I've had a tough week, and it took everything in me to get up out of bed and come to this building on Airline Highway. And Paul's saying, that's why we need to pray for you. That's why I need you to pray for me. You think pastors don't feel like that? I spent all week in this building. (laughs) We all need each other's prayers. All of us have a responsibility to care for one another. God has created a world and set us in a world in which our prayers really do affect things. They really do. When we pray, God listens and he acts. He does things for us that he would not have done had we not prayed. How's that for your idea of God's sovereignty? Isn't that amazing? It's mysterious. It's amazing. And Paul is telling us in this passage that if we would simply pray For our brothers and sisters in Christ, by name, by name, Jacob Whitehead, Geronda Northcutt, A.J. Melendez, by name, to know God better and love him more, God will answer. He will send his Holy Spirit afresh. He will enlighten the eyes of our hearts. He will help us to grasp the heights of his plans for us. The risen Christ is here with us. I cannot emphasize that enough. He is close. He's even closer to you right now than the person who's sitting beside you. He fills this church with the fullness of his glory and his power. But he isn't interested in showing off. He's interested in giving that power to us, to you. If we would only ask him. So let's do that now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. You are able to do far more abundantly. Than all that we can ask. Or imagine. You have demonstrated your mighty power. In the gospel. For not only did you raise Jesus from the dead. Not only did you seat him. In the heavenly places. But you have done the very same thing for us. We praise you. We thank you. And we want to know you. So help us. Give us all the spirit of wisdom. Open the eyes of our hearts. Help us to know the immeasurable greatness of your power. And your blessing that you have Lavished on us in Christ. Help us not only to know it. But to experience it. To taste it. And to live it. And do this all for the glory and renown of our Savior Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.